everybody. It's time for another Shop Talk show. We have an awesome themed episode for you this week, at least loosely themed on the idea of gaming. And let's just leave it at gaming because I think we're going to we're gonna traverse a lot of ground related to that subject. And we have two absolutely perfect guests to broach that topic with you, of which I will introduce in just a moment because I got to tell you that we have two sponsors. One of them is Braintree. This episode of Shop Talk brought to you in part by Braintree. Developers around the world have embraced Braintree V.0 SDK as the easiest way to add secure mobile payments to their apps and websites, that being Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, Bitcoin, all that stuff with one API used by people like Airbnb, GitHub. Uh, pretty cool. Integrating your app is as easy as a few lines of code. And a new one, Governor, governor.io, the coolest of all TLDs, if you ask me. It's a cloud CMS. It's one of these CMSs where you make a website and you do it in any, absolutely any way that you want to. And then you use like special tags, like you put an attribute on a particular like div or image or something. And then in their CMS, it becomes this editable object so that you can, you know, uh, be like, I want to change this image while you just go into their really classic looking CMS and just be like, oh, I flopped it out with this image in it and it edits the website. So it's kind of like a way to hand off, you know, a really nice website for a client to update. So we'll tell you more about both of those things later in the show. But for now, let's kick things off, Mr. Dave. Boom. Shopamaniacs, you're listening to another episode of Shop Talk Show. I'm on the NyQuil, NyQuil train, Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Coyer. Chris. Oh, it's you? always a mystery what you're going to say, Dave, after the thing. I read a place. survey the other day, Chris, that said Shopamaniacs are more attractive and earn more money over their lifetime. Who conducted Did this you know survey? That? Was it uh, one Dave's uh, household surveyed? Yeah, yeah, the the uh, uh, Garner. I always wondered who they surveyed on uh, Family Feud. This always seems like, where did you find these hundred people to answer this question? Uh, <laughs> speaking of games like Family Feud, we have two people who have some uh, interesting connections to the gaming world. Rachel White. Hi, Rachel. Hi. I actually met Rachel in New York at a place that was... <laughs> Very weird and foreign to me, but I enjoyed very much called Baby Castles. You remember that? You used to go there sometimes, right? Yeah, it's um, it's an actual like a video game art space and gallery. Uh, you were there for my boyfriend's video game release. It, he made a Nintendo game. Literally a can... Nintendo game with like a gray yeah. cartridge and stuff. I still have it. It's so cool. I have not yep. yet busted out my old NES, but I have one somewhere. But I remember playing it that night. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool. So yeah, literally an art space. And there's a bunch of other games uh, on display there that were fun. I remember one where you're like trying to like traverse some world but pop-ups keep happening and you have to like oh, definitely yeah. avoid them that one was cool um so you know gaming is, is 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 a part of your life in some way yeah it is um i have been actually i probably got started coding from when i used to change like in-game code for the sims and I would go in and change stuff to get like That's so awesome. more outfits or more money. And it's just always been there. And I've always been playing games. That was and like then, the moment, right? Where you're like, I can yeah. I can affect games with well, my Hold on. You're like the Sims equivalent of a Bitcoin hacker? Is this, is this <laughs> yeah, what I well, to understand? I mean, it goes back further than that. I used to be an annoying like script kid on AOL. <laughs> so, but like when I figured out that I could do it with games, it was it was even more fun. But the the point that like really made me get interested in indie game dev was probably like around 2008 and 2009. There's um there's this this game artist named Derek Yu who does really amazing game art. And I was like, this is so neat. So you're telling me that like one person can make this stuff. And I've been like looking into it ever since, except uh, there's so many different things that you can use. It makes a burden of choice very daunting. And then I found Lindsay. <laughs> uh, she makes awesome stuff. Lindsay is with us here too. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. And 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 it's a very short last name, but I'm sure I'll get it wrong. So you do it. Uh, Bida. Bida. Okay. B 
B-I-E-D-A, uh, Bida, you are uh, at Articulate in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. So what's the what's the day job role like? Is it gaming related or, or is that? Oh, nice? no, it's not gaming yeah. related <laughs> at all. <laughs> and that's why, I mean, I had the passion to work on games in my free time. I don't think I would do that if I was working on games for my day job at all. So it's, I the, do, like, it's, it's the education articulate though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's education related. So, so, but they just don't, they, that's not like, uh, cause you know, gaming plus learning can be like be a thing, but they don't really go there. No, it's just like e-learning software. And so I work on like the web development side of things, which totally, totally tangential to any sort of gaming thing. Like, actually, my, my grad school research had more to do with, like, gaming than my day job does now. Oh, that's, that's interesting. But, but some, I mean, do you, if you go to lindsaybeta.itch.io, which I'll have all these links in the show notes, there's, like, a bunch of games right there. There's one, As the Crow Flies Here, a game about a crow and the power of words that it looks like it works on... Windows, Linux, Mac, OS. What, what was the what was the like the tech f- for for this particular one? I mean, we can talk about whatever, but I'm kind of interested to learn. Oh, about that stuff. game was made using uh, Love 2D and was written in Lua, which is a super awesome language for just like quickly being able to like make C bindings and stuff, which makes using Love 2D really awesome because you can like write this really nice code and then it's in C and it's like you can switch it over to all sorts of different platforms. So it makes it really easy to make cross-platform stuff. Right on. Okay. So Lua, L-U-A, Lua.org. It's a, it's a framework of sorts. And one of the promises of it is like write once, publish multiple places. Yeah. It also is just a nice like framework as opposed to a lot of other ones. It's just friendly and their site is adorable. So Nice. Nice. Okay. So I, I, uh, uh, and, and Rachel, it's similar for you in that gaming isn't your day job necessarily. You're at, you're at IBM, right? I am. I am a front-end developer at IBM Watson. If you are like, hmm, I wonder what Watson is more than just that robot that I saw on Jeopardy or those robots that I saw during the Oscars and I want to know what it does, the uh, website that you go to from like Googling or whatever, I am one of two developers that run it. So the whole entire Watson developer cloud is my responsibility. And um, yeah, it's it's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Is Watson listening to our show right now? I, I hope Going not. into Watson? Okay. No, I'm, I'm in a special private phone booth. Watson that, doesn't know where I am right now. Watson <laughs> unconnected. Okay. Watson safe room. Um, yes. And then... <laughs> Because I was like, we will probably break Watson with, and he'll just have a proclivity for fart jokes. This. <laughs> Too much to uh, process. Yes. Oh boy. Oh. So this is very exciting for both of you. In a sense, there's the, the you know gaming and your connection to it and love for it or or whatever is, is a is a is a side thing in a way, a kind of DIY effort. And speaking of that. Rachel, you, it seems like you do kind of a lot of DIY stuff, whether it's gaming or not. I see your your pinned tweet for a while is this thing called Robo Kitty. That's like a it's like a straight up real life thing to feed your cat, right? Yeah, it's um, it's it's a robot that's powered through WebSockets and Node and Johnny Five, which is a JavaScript robotics uh, framework that's really great. Um, I had never worked with. Node, like I never made a Node app. I'm mostly front end, but I can honestly do whatever. Uh-huh. Like, I'm I'm just pretty good at like pattern recognition in multiple languages. And uh, I was like, I really love cats, and I wanna I wanna contribute to open source, but open source is kind of scary because people are mean. And what can I do? And I was like, I know I'll build an automated web feeder that feeds my cats over the internet. And so I figured out how to use hardware. I had to figure out how to solder. I had to figure out a bunch of like robotics types of types of things. And it works through going to a website where you can either set a cron job um, for interval feeding, or you can just push a button and it dispenses food and it works wirelessly, which is pretty cool. 
That is pretty. I mean, it's it's it also it's like a very real problem. I'm sure, like most of us or whatever, know somebody who's like, I went on vacation for four days and I left the cat at home, and cats are great for that because they're, you know, mostly can take care of themselves and like poop in the litter box and stuff. But you know, you you know, like some cats, you can like leave out a giant bowl of food, but that's not always a perfect idea, right? So this is like a solves a, re- a legit thing. You can satisfy some of your like nerdy build something cravings. You're GitHub thing has like, you know, it's not only a repo of the code to build this thing, but is a like part list with all the like where to buy it, how much it costs, all that kind of thing. I mean, this is like really cool. Have you heard stories? Anybody who uh, done it? Um, I don't think that I don't know if anybody's built it yet. Let's it's, change the, that shop talk yeah. show audience. <laughs> the code is like very, very, very beta because there's no testing right now to know if those cats are actually fed. So that's pretty bad. You know, <laughs> I would not, I would not trust it to, I would not leave my cats alone with Maybe it. Maybe you could point your drop point. cam at it, you know, and then just yeah. <laughs> see if that works. Uh, I, I'm willing to volunteer my cat for science. Awesome. <laughs> It's open source, so anybody can build onto it whatever they want. They can. I know. I know that there's some requests for other types of hardware other than I used. Um, what did I use? I forget. Oh, a particle photon, which has a Wi-Fi module built into it. But some people want to use a Raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. And now that I think the new Raspberry Pi that just came out has Wi-Fi, like enabled by default. So maybe that's something to give a shot with. So what's been a recent project for you, Lindsay? What have you been kind of working on? Um, so uh, similar to Rachel, I just finished up a hardware project, but I'm starting up on a new really? thing. Really? Cool. I Whoa. built an LED-enabled hula hoop. So Whoa. I Whoa. sat there for hours soldering uh, like 28-ish LEDs and then trying to jam them into a hula hoop was honestly was the hardest part of that whole project. I thought it would be the soldering or the power or anything like that. But no, just trying to get a string of things into a small tube is really difficult. So you put the, they're, they're inside the tube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Inside the hoop. Because, you know, otherwise, yeah, I suppose. Uh, cool. Otherwise, what's the point, right? Yeah, well, you wouldn't want them, like, chafing all up on you. Um yeah, that's 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 pretty crazy. Like a, that's a straight up hardware project. What's like the input? Does it does it measure anything, or is it is it kind of like have pre programmed things that change it has color? Pre programmed things that change color as it goes. Right now, uh-huh. I thought about uh, trying to put in a potentiometer or something to try and get a little bit more data, but unfortunately, um, anything I put inside will hit the sides of the hoop. So I can't really get any solid data from any sensors I put inside of it. Yeah, because it's kind of like in a closed environment or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. I want to, you know, this is this is another thing. Is there any? I want to see like some people rocking this at like a widespread panic show or something, blowing some <laughs> minds. Just gonna look at it and freak out. Yeah. Okay. So to both of you, hardware projects, but both of you have also done, you know. Straight up screen design stuff for uh, for gaming and stuff, and that's kind of the that was kind of one of the idea. Was it? I don't know. Like I don't know what got you to gaming, and 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 like what was the like first one maybe like like was it just like I can build a game no problem, or was there some? <laughs> you want to go ahead? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm just remembering the first game I made, which was like. Uh, I was in high school, and I was in my C++ class, and I was writing this really dorky Pirates vs. Ninjas uh, text-based adventure game, uh, and the quest for pie, so your whole goal was <laughs> You to have try entered a ship, pie. there is no pie here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you could, like, pick whether you wanted to be a pirate or a ninja in the beginning, and then after that, like, your enemies would be the opposite thing. I, I was a huge dork, and... That's what I did for, I believe it was like my final project for that class was building that game. I'm sure that's no small thing. I mean, you're learning, you're like managing state and stuff, right? Like, where is character? What is happening to them? What What are their options right now and stuff? Like, in, in that sense, it, 
Yeah. Like there's no just because it's dorky concept doesn't mean you're not like learning some pretty valuable stuff. I'm oh yeah. I, it was definitely an awesome learning process and there was a bunch of really uh silly ASCII art I would insert in different scenes, but yeah, that was sort of like my very first game. And you had no you probably were uh, well, I, uh, you can speak for yourself, but like did you just kind of like jump right into it? This sounds fun. I'm going to do it or do you remember that time? Was it? I, I just want to sense for people out there who want to build a game. There's probably some like holdups. You're probably like, I don't, I don't even know if I can possibly do this. You know, like I why, mean, why yeah, there were there was years of holdups because I'd like wanted to build games since I was 12, and it took me until like high school to finally have like the programming knowledge I needed to actually go forward and do some of these things. So there is, I mean, that's a, that's a prereq in a sense. <laughs> you, you might, you should probably get some programming skills first and then. Yes. Yes. But I mean, beyond that, just building 2D games and 3D games, like the biggest like stretch for me was honestly like dealing with the graphical elements and stuff, which, you know, took a lot of time to teach myself like 3D graphics stuff and. The struggle is real. Yeah. So <laughs> so the program experience like opens the door maybe, but then it's like that's not the whole p- picture for making a kind of playable game. There's certainly all this art and stuff that happens. Are you does this make you think of anything, Rachel? Or do you have your experience? Yeah. <laughs> Mostly because I have like five games that I'm working on right now that are in various stages of planning because there's so many options for different ways that you can make a game that I can't, I can't decide. And I think every few months I'll like private message Lindsay and be like, I don't know what the hell is happening. I hate Maya 3d like right now. (laughs) Well, let me, let me like backpedal for a second. So my first game was for this um, game jam that happens a couple times a year called Ludum Dare. And I decided to just like order a large pizza and sit in my apartment for 48 hours. And I was not going to stop until I had a game. And pretty much for a game, you just need like a couple game mechanics, a story and an end goal, like a start and an end goal. And so I I arbitrarily did, I, I picked a framework, which is Phaser, which is JavaScript and HTML5. And This was maybe, it was almost two years ago now, and the documentation wasn't that great, and my concept wasn't that great. The theme was like worlds apart or separate worlds. That sounds like a Journey song. Um, And I came up with my idea, and then I start implementing the stuff, and it was you're two planets, and you have a black hole, and the world is collapsing, and you need to make these two planets collide um, in order to create a new universe, which, you know, whatever, please don't tweet at me about the science behind that. It was just <laughs> the game idea. And then so, like, the two planets were different colors, and one was controlled through WASD, and the other one was controlled through um, the arrow keys. And I was like... Oh, WASD so many... being... I, I was like, what? what? Is that an acronym? Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, like... It was so bad. I was like running into problems where the collision detection is a square hitbox instead of being tied to like a custom polygon. So really the only way to make the planets to collide was the one in the top left has to go straight down and the one in the bottom right has to go left. So it's like the same exact thing for five levels. And then when you win, there's like a picture of my cats. And It's it's not good, but I felt great that I finished, and my parents liked it. My parents were very impressed, so I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. That's good, and, and so you, you got it to a point where it's like, ta-da! I built a game. Yeah, I mean, it it is a game because it. I said so, and because it, there's a start and a finish, but like the 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 rest of it is so much harder. Like I'm taking a virtual reality lab right now, which is having to learn Unity and Maya, and it makes me want to cry. Unity and Maya? Maya's the 3D one, right? Yeah, and Unity is um, a pretty popular uh, game dev software tool that makes me cry all the time because it's not very... I mean, my background is I have a degree in design and I'm a self-taught developer. So I was like, oh, I can use so many programs that do graphics. This should make so much sense. It doesn't make sense at all. (laughs) And so uh, I'm building 
a 3D cat cafe. Like I, I'm actually building a virtual reality cat cafe right now. Whoa. That sounds uh, so you're, you know, you're, uh, you, are you the cat in this scenario and you enter the cafe and then maybe it's multiplayer and somebody else as a cat comes to the cafe as well? It's, it's more of like an immersive um, experience because uh, I'm also going to use Leap Motion, which is this um, little, how big is it? It's about like three inches long and it can detect your hand movement. So you're going to be able to actually just like walk around this cat cafe and pet cats. It's a virtual cat cafe. Cause I like to, I'm sticking with the cat theme. <laughs> I see uh, immer- an immersive, immersive feline experience. Yes. Oh, lovely. So you get just hacking around with stuff, playing with different uh, uh, softwares and projects and stuff. It's interesting how, the, you know, we, we, so far we've mentioned at least four different, you know, technologies you can kind of reach for in this gaming process. I, you know, that probably is powerful and enabling. And if you use these things, you can probably get a little further, a little faster. Isn't that the case if you're willing to put in the learning curve, but it's maybe not strictly necessary to build a game. I mean, I've seen, I've seen like, totally here's a tic-tac-toe and CSS or something like there's, you can keep it a little closer to the metal or whatever, if you wanted to. Totally. I mean, you can, you can do whatever you want. There's, um, there's this, you don't even need to program. I mean, you could use uh, MIT's tool Scratch, which is puzzle pieces that put together like behaviors for basic um, games. And I uh, have used that for a computer science course to learn like the basic, um, the basic fundamentals around like loops or mm. uh, events and stuff like that. But Looks there's like also... modern day hypercard kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's even also, like twine. You go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say twine. Yeah, twine is great for uh, storytelling and stuff. And honestly, like thinking back to my old like Pirates versus Ninjas game where I was writing in C++, I could just as easily have done it in twine because it's super powerful to be able to like do branching stories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you can even take it further. Like twine is um So twinery.org it looks like. Yeah, there's so many there's so many links. You can even take it further than just text with Twine too. There's a there's a game developer in New York who I think he is a teacher at NYU's game program. It's called Lie to the Devil, and he took like JavaScript events and um, like hooked up a fake gun to the USB. So when you pulled the trigger, it fired off an event that affected your Twine game, and it was really cool. Like there's there's really no limit to anything. I guess that sounds like you can do whatever you want, pretty much. <laughs> Didn't you have a thought like that recently, Dave, where it was kind of like web these days? Because, you know, that's often what we talk about and do. It sounds like all four of us kind of are like mostly like non gaming web, like day job y people. And, the, and it feels like more and more prescriptive almost these days. Like, this, we're talking about tool stacks and builds, and like, this is how you name things. And it feels, you know, it doesn't feel as wide open as some things and I think your sentiment was that like some gaming stuff or maybe particular niches in gaming feel like just do whatever you want yeah that's I mean I I started making a game this year kind of learning unity last year and, and started making like spending my free time actually doing it actually actually building the game and it's it's neat it's gone you know in web development you're just you make like lists and details and flows and and like that's it you know <laughs> like that seems like my job over and over and over but like in video games you kind of like build a world and you build a story and then you invite people to come play that story that's kind of a neat i don't know it's such a neat kind of creative release I, I don't do you experience that is that what I guess what kind of triggers you to make games Lindsay or uh, yeah I, I definitely look at it as like a creative release um, because I, I've always kind of been like that weird kid who is in art class but also in honors math and to the point where like my art teacher was like this is weird but okay um, in that, like, I really, really love the creative side of coding and working on games really lets me kind of unlock that, especially with what's happening with indie games right now, where the definition of a game is sort of being broadened to a point, especially with the VR and everything like that, where 
suddenly it's just kind of going to be able to be just like any kind of immersive experience, any kind of experience you can put someone through, which is really, really interesting from like a storytelling and also like a way of kind of like injecting like psychological art. Um, it's, it's really amazing what's actually happening right now in games and... That, did did anyone play Firewatch, Chris? I know yeah, you played totally. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, we all played it. Let's n- agree. No spoilers. We're not a spoiler. It really yeah. got me going because now I'm like, I'm, I like downloaded some other one and I started playing it. Now I'm like halfway through some other one and somebody's like, oh, you like good stories? Play uh, The Last of Us, which is some like zombie yeah. thing. I'm like yeah. halfway through that right now. It's like kind of like, I don't know, I guess I go in phases a little bit. It's reunited my my love of sitting there with the controller, I guess. Well, it, it's a video game, but it kind of challenged. I was like, is this a You do not game? have I'm to be like good at video games to play it. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's what's neat. I think that Firewatch is a really good example of uh, the people who made it. Like, Ali Moss hadn't, I don't, as far as I know, like, he's, you know, a really, really well-known designer and art director, but, like, he was able to take his skills and adapt it to a new medium and, like, make everything look really awesome. And it was it was funded by Panic, who made Coda and Transmit. It was funded. And, like, that was their role in it? Yeah. They're, 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 like the product, they're, like, the production company that backed Firewatch and then Campo San was put together as the um, development company. I think that there was only 10 people that made that game and it um, like just the things that they were able to do with it is really like it's beautiful and I love narrative games and I think that the story is more important to me than uh, complex stuff. And I mean, if you if you like Firewatch, there's also Jonathan Blow's game, The Witness, that came out, which tells That's you a story without. Yeah. yeah, it tells you a story without even having to say anything aside from like audio recordings, and you're just solving puzzles. But you're like immersed in this experience, and it's it's really awesome. <laughs> I look forward to to doing that one. So that's pretty great. Um. Um. Uh, what so the art is certainly one thing and i have like an anecdote about that but i'd be interested in and so like do you i don't know how do you go about that do you if you're like games are tend to be more fun of a visual screen game if there's good art right so let's say you suck at that or whatever do you do do you uh pull somebody in or just let it suck or I think that's part of the reason why I'm like stalling on putting so many other things out. Um, although I have been working with a really awesome, talented designer friend of mine named uh, Jessica Paoli. She's Skullface on Twitter, and we're working on a dating sim um, that's essentially like Netflix and chill, but G rated. <laughs> <laughs> you both sit on the it's- couch politely together. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the in, the goal is to hold hands. <laughs> it is that is that's the game. Yeah, it's called crushing. You're like it's about all the things that go through your head when you're really close to someone that you have feelings for, but you want to make the first move and hold their hand. So that's what the game is. That's lovely. Okay. That's super cute. Why isn't there open source game art? Maybe there is, but it seems there like is there is, is. Go, opengameart.org. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, open game art and also itch. There's like a bunch of people that host uh, free art to use in games on there. Um, and as far as I go, any of my 3D models or any art that I personally make for games, I release so people can use it in their stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, I want to open source everything too. Like since it's not, I mean, game dev is hard for people that make it the primary job to make money in. So I guess we kind of are in a good spot where <laughs> we don't need to. So I don't. I think that I'm going to release everything open source to just like encourage people to give it a shot and yeah. do their own thing. Mm-hmm. You can give me money if you want, but <laughs> you, don't, yeah. you don't have to. All of my games are pay what you want. So it's just like, if you want to pay me money, cool. If you don't, fine. Like, Does that satisfy? I, like I'm making this game and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to release it. And oh, it's got to go on an app store. Oh yeah. And I'm going to be rich. I'm going to get like Zynga bucks. Uh, how, <laughs> how do you kind of like, um, is it just, I'm, I needed to make this. So I'm just going to put this out and people give me money and they give me money. That's cool. That's if well, there's certain fine. other people are betting um, the farm on these games a little bit more than I guess any of us here are. Right? Yeah. 
it's so, it's not really my um, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to say. It's not my uh, reason for making stuff. Uh, I would rather inspire someone else to make something than have them give me twenty dollars and never play it ever again. Yeah. So it's not about that that Zynga money. No, I have other stupid ideas for the Zynga money that okay. don't involve games. That's not a holding hand simulator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something to do with cats and automatic feeding. <laughs> no, that's if you if you look at the GitHub repository for RoboKitty, like the README is very, very verbose with a part list for a reason. Like I want anybody to be able to make that stuff too. Like I think that's what open source should be instead of like hoping you get sucked up by a foundation or a group that's going to give you a ton of money. Like it should just be about like getting other people pumped about something. Uh, so, but on, on that, on that subject a little bit, I have, I have an uh, anecdotal experience. I, I can't remember if I've ever mentioned it on this show or not, but I have some, two friends that happen to be two of the three co-founders of Wufu where I, you know, they were the, it was kind of the first like web app I, I, I worked for a number of years ago um, they are uh, uh, now uh, making games themselves. There's two brothers named Chris Campbell and Ryan Campbell, and they're they're friends of mine. They decided that they're going to take a year to learn how to make a game and make it as kind of a friendly competition amongst each other. They're each going to make a game, and kind of uh, I think I think the winner is the one who like you know, they're both making iOS games, and the winner is like whoever sold the most copies in the store or something like that. The story it's been now. Maybe over two years that they haven't released anything, so the the timeline was a little shot uh, for them. But the, I think part of their reasoning for that was that that there's this like concept in gaming where you have like, or maybe it's maybe it's isolated to to iOS or or, or something where like the. The, like the vast majority of downloads and engagement and money you're going to make on this game happens in like the first week or the few few days of launch, and that if you if you don't kind of spend the time making it kind of perfect or as awesome as it can be, you kind of blow that shot. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, and I'm like one of those horrible people that actually pays for things in iOS games. <laughs> like, you don't want to know how much a whale aren't yeah. they called a whale? I learned that. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I oh, it's terrible. Not even just games. There's like camera apps that have stickers, and I, I've probably I've spent hundreds of dollars on iOS games easily. Like, if you're having, <laughs> if you're have, they make it so easy. It's like a dollar ninety nine at a time, and then you can just like. Ah, it's dangerous. But there's also like you can have ads in games that you can monetize off of if you get stuff like super popular. I mean, look at the Flappy Bird guy. He freaked out because everybody loved it too much and then he didn't know what to do. So he kind of just stopped. Yeah, yeah. I think he's just a new one now, right? But maybe it was a bummer yeah. for a while. I mean, you have a you have a really big problem when you have something that gets... Well, not even when you have something that gets big. And it's it's a problem in games and it's a problem in development where people feel entitled that you owe them something because they enjoy what you made. And that can be daunting. That's an interesting thing. Have you, either of you kind of experienced that? Just, just I don't know, people being like, you owe me because I enjoyed your, your game? Um, I think that's part of the reason why I release my stuff for Pay What You Want. Because if I asked for a certain price point, and actually going back to Firewatch, the price point for Firewatch is $20. And for a lot of people saying, okay, you know, it's a four-hour game, it's not worth that much. And so a lot of people don't really want to pay that price. And so there's like this weird disparity of like, you know, how much enjoyment you get out of something and like how much you're willing to pay for it. I think Firewatch, it was it was sort of like it rode the line of like, oh, is that 20 bucks? Maybe, you know, and I think about it with podcasts too. Like all my podcasts right now are doing the donation season, you know, like give us money because we're your podcast. You like us. Um, and I'm like, ah, do I like you like Netflix money? Or what, <laughs> how much do I like you? You know, like, I don't know, $5 a month. That seems like a lot, but you know, I don't, I, I'm, trying to figure all that out yeah and i think people getting paid for their work is important but it's it's like this really challenging part of like how much you pay something but in my opinion like something like firewatch it's like okay it's four hours so it's like two movies 20 bucks yeah makes sense to me but yeah yep me too i agree i don't know i just i like dwelling in there it was very very fun i thought 
Uh, 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 speaking of, of, of money and stuff that we were talking about, here's a way that you can have your web app take money. Use uh, Braintree, simple, secure payments code that you can integrate in minutes. Uh, developers, we got you. Don't worry about taking days to integrate payments. Do it in minutes with Braintree. Don't have time. Give them a call on the phone. They'll handle the integration through you, literally walk you through the integration. Uh, they have Their SDK is, you know, it's like a code that you download that's like how to integrate the payments into your app. So it's like, okay, I'm building an app. I need to take credit cards. I'd like to take PayPal. I'd like to take Bitcoin because why not? That's kind of fun. Uh, maybe it's a mobile app. So I'd like them to be able to play with their native things. Braintree does all that with one kind of one API. And then no matter what you're building it in, .NET, Node, Java, Perl, PHP, Python, Ruby, uh, uh, it's they have code for all of those to interact with their APIs, to take the money from people. So it's kind of a pretty darn nice uh, uh, way to integrate payments into your app. 10 lines of code kind of thing. Braintreepayments.com slash shop talk. Let's talk some more about this gaming thing. You know, the, the, the URL I was talking about is battleofbrothers.com. That's my buddies who are building this game. One of them's like a little tower defensey, and one of them is like a, a hexagon battle-y thing. Like, you know, this guy's slow but powerful, and he can move one hexagon, and this guy's, you know, an archer, so he can shoot six hexagons and whatever, you know. They are nerds too, you know, but in the best possible way. Art was certainly the thing that they struggled with the most and they gave themselves a fixed budget too because it's a kind of a competition. I think like 90% of their budget was spent hiring artists to help them kind of thing. So that's certainly a possibility too if you have a budget for this kind of thing. Yeah. End of anecdote. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So do you... uh, uh, Either of you end up sourcing art? Do you? We kind of touched on it, but open game art is that kind of your your go to? Um, okay, so I have a friend who's pretty good at art, and so sometimes I'll work on games with her, and that's when I get like nicely drawn art. Otherwise, I'll actually sometimes search for things online and contact artists directly because you'd be surprised how often they're like, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll license that to you for some money." Um, mm. Specifically, as a crow flies, that flying crow was licensed from someone I found on DeviantArt. Um, and I was like, is this much okay? And she was like, yes. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. That's fine. And I was like, did I pay you enough for this? Um, but that's one way. The other thing is I just kind of like try and deal with like whatever kind of weird thing I can make. Um, so like I have a weird story about trying to animate a photocopier for a game I made for a work thing. Um, and I couldn't get the animation rig set up the way I wanted to. So I ended up taking like one of the pre-made rigs in Blender, made it really small. And the pre-made thing is like literally a human skeleton. So my photocopier had a small human skeleton inside of it in order to make it dance. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so just kind of like just making do with whatever things you can like hack together is sort of my general flow. Nice. Mine would be like would be like icons from the noun project smashing into each other. <laughs> game. I'm so stubborn and I want to make everything myself, but I haven't designed in so long <laughs> that it's proving difficult. Like it's so hard to draw a pizza. You have no idea. And other than the ones where I'll collaborate with other people and pay them if they want money or give them a cut of whatever donation-based thing I set up, I'm still probably going to try and do everything myself because I'm stubborn and I don't want to use free assets. I would rather have every aspect that I can be done myself, like... Besides music, I'll never try and make music myself for the games. <laughs> and the one thing about the free assets, though, is there are some really nice ones, and there's a particular set of really nice ones that you see everywhere. So unfortunately, if you do tend to go the free asset Well, way, there's a bootstrap of game development? Sort of. <laughs> basically, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing where it's like, oh, okay, you're going to see it everywhere. Okay. And so... I don't know. Like, I had a thing and I wanted to make uh, kind of assets and graphics for it, but I'm not so great on, like, drawing directly on the computer. So I uh, did stuff by hand and I, like, watercoloring. So I was, like, watercoloring things, scanning them in, and then, like, changing them in Photoshop to put them in this game. And so that was how I ended up approaching that. But 
I mean, yeah, it definitely kind of working on games kind of takes like a multitude of skills and just figuring out like how much you can teach yourself and what skills you can leverage that you personally have in order to get in there or just get really awesome at collaborating, collaborating with people who don't have the same skill sets as you. Yeah, that's all reasonable choices, I think. I've been le- leveraging the Unity Asset Store just because it's you pay money for things, but I I kind of uh, know my limitation. I'm not like a good creative at the market arts. For, yeah, creative for market for stuff. game widgets. Um, and it's built right into the engine, so it's so easy to be like, I'm just oh, this. it's like if Adobe started selling like button styles through a panel in Photoshop or something. I don't know why I insist on having a web dev alternative to every single thing that we're talking about, but <laughs> it's it makes sense. I mean, it's it's. I think that's part of the reason why I enjoy games stuff versus what I do every day because you're doing, I mean, when it all comes down to it, it's all just coding. You're, you're coding. It's the same thing, but your brain changes the way that you approach it. And it's nice. Yeah, definitely a way to flex different mental muscles, but still doing code. So I guess speaking of that and this like analogy of connecting everything to web stuff is, I mean, I'm sure we could think of some like obvious connections between the skills and like the learning and stuff that you get out of building a game to web app. But is there, is there anything more that we could put a point on? Like, like when you go about creating a game, you're like, okay, it's going to have to have what, like a narrative arc and, you know, input controls and state management and stuff. And some of that stuff has like parallels, right? To, uh, I think it's most similar to probably like UX design when you're thinking of like, what is the user going to do on this website that I need to make it as pleasant and as easy for them to use as possible that isn't going to make them like do something weird. Like I'm not going to use a typical hamburger menu. I'm going to make it something else. Like you wouldn't do that because it doesn't make sense. So there's just like, like the way that I approach stuff for my job is I write pseudocode plain English of what I want someone to do and then I'll break it down into my actual like JavaScript or Node or whatever it is I'm working with. Mm-hmm. And then for, for game stuff, I'll think of it, it's sort of the same way, but instead of writing pseudocode, it's more storyboarding. So like drawing little pictures of the different like steps that someone is going to go through to get to the end process. So yeah, I like that. That gaming thinking of what it's like to play my game is 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 UX essentially, and it quite literally is UX. I guess. Cool. And then I think isn't there some 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 case where a game is like intentionally intentionally breaks UX, whereas on the yeah. web it's like always yeah. like absolutely easiest ever keep it on level one easy 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 please click this button and check out please 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 you know like there's like almost no excuse on the web to have any difficulty whatsoever whereas in a game it's like i don't want to just tell you what to do because it would kind of make the game boring so like if if we're thinking of firewatch it's kind of like i'm not gonna like press a button to auto warp you to the next scene i'm gonna like make this little machine in your hand beep and it's like up to you to find out where the beeping is coming from or whatever. Or like, I'm not going to exactly tell you what's going on in this scene because the scene is supposed to have some tension. You're supposed to be a little confused here because the character in the game is confused. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if something unexpected happens in web, like you're likely to get frustrated and be like, I don't want to use this site. But if something that unexpected happens in games, like it can be delightful and like add to the experience yeah and in a lot of ways like the bad ux kind of is part of the experience i say bad ux and like struggling to get from point a to point b is like fundamentally important and so it's still like necessary to understand ux stuff but in a way that you're like okay how do i make this challenging for this person cool so let's say somebody wanted to build a game would you would you pr- recommend unity or lua or one of these things or are you, are you, that's tough right or would you be like i don't know why don't you try to make a something with canvas first maybe or i guess it just depends right i mean <laughs> i think it depends on where you're coming from and like what your skill set is and what you feel comfortable with doing and how 
how well you are affected by burden of choice, because I am not (laughs) well affected. And I've been trying so many different things. And I've still yet to settle on something that I prefer over the other one. So Lindsay probably has better um, suggestions than I have. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, if someone has a particular language they feel the most comfortable with, they should probably look for sort of game frameworks that exist in that language because uh, there's so many of them right now, um, like, talking about, like, the burden of choice. But if you have, like, a language that you super love, then I would probably start there because you're going to be a little bit more comfortable with what you're doing. Um, but, yeah, I, I love Unity. I'm, yeah, it's it's kind of like there's a difficult learning curve when you first kind of step into it and it seems super foreign. But uh, once you kind of get past that, your ability to build stuff super fast just kind of like ramps up to like a ridiculous level. Um, one thing that I'd like to add, since I feel like a lot of people that probably listen are web developers or something like that, the Mozilla Developer Network has an amazing list of HTML5-based game engines, which are uh, either like Canvas or WebGL or just, you know, straight up JavaScript and like regular DOM assets. And you can also do VR on the web with um, like a cardboard. It's, there's, it's ridiculous. Like, People have no idea what you can do. Like, I'll paste the link into the chat room right now. It's, oh, you already did. You beat me, Dave. Uh, I'm on it. And <laughs> you're talking about A-Frame.io, which is the that VR thing. There's there's a bunch of different ones. It's amazing. And Whoa. there's also, like, uh, 3JS and, uh, like, can can be used for like really intense visuals in games and somebody there's also like voxel stuff so who knows somebody could build a minecraft out of javascript if they wanted don't have to deal with java which would be great <laughs> what i i'm looking at this mdn thing there's like 15 different libraries what i like where would what's what could you pluck one to start like hi i know a little bit of javascript which one's probably a good choice i think phaser is a pretty popular one, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that I would go with Phaser. I mean, I think the most popular JavaScript ones are Pixie.js, Phaser, and uh, 3.js for, um, and Construct, which is a, it's actually an application that lets you write JavaScript in it. Um, I think that, like, you're supposed to be able to write JavaScript with Unity, but it's not really. It's like Unity script. Yeah. But um, I actually saw Brendan Eich give a talk recently. Um, he's trying to work on getting like native JavaScript into Unity. So if you're bored, I think he also gave the talk at Columbia JS. So um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I don't know. If I could write regular JavaScript instead of uh, Unity script or what is it? Is it C sharp? Yeah, C sharp. Yeah, C sharp. I'd be much, much happier. So the list is long. I mean, we just we're just link going crazy with links here. So and that's I mean, I don't know. It seems fairly new that that I'm sure there was a time not so long ago that this this like list of frameworks was was kind of a oh, lot yeah. smaller for, game, <laughs> for games. A lot of things have changed in a really short period of time. And I was actually just thinking about recently when I first wanted to learn to do like graphic stuff on a computer. Uh, OpenGL was like relatively new. And so no one really, it, it was like really challenging to use and it was really hard. And now I'm just like, I don't even have to care about that. I can just do the things and suddenly it happens. And, uh, it's actually really awesome. And it's causing a lot of innovation in the field right now, which is super sweet. Yep. So speaking of making things super easy, cool drum backbeat music, Governor.io is one of the sponsors for this podcast. It's a cloud CMS that allows you to design and build custom websites seamlessly and attach powerful CMS controls in just a few minutes with our easy GovTags templating engine. So it's like it's like access all your sites in one place using their multi-site dashboard. So you build a site, it goes into the dashboard, you click onto that site to, to edit it. Quickly extend all the functionality of your sites with Governor module. So you edit the HTML and CSS uh, from anywhere with their online thing so you like you know you you edit their sites from their website you know like edit from anywhere which is kind of cool get the 
the uh, the IDE in the cloud. So you're like, and in your editing code too. It's not just like click this uh, uh, image to change it, which you can, but it's like I need to like write some new CSS for the site. You do it through the web, which is pretty cool. Uh, uh, and it's for it's built with like clients in mind. You know, build a client site and kind of give them the control. You keep the control. Whatever. That's governor.io. Governor is one of my favorite words to spell. G O V E R N O R. Govern or .io, governor, but you say governor, or govna, I think, in Australia, but it's governor. <laughs> okay, enough, Chris. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm. uh, cool. I, I Gaming has been all up in my life recently. I was in Chicago a couple weeks ago. There's a little event called SND Makes, which is fun. It's like a news design thing, and it has a different theme each time, and this one was like, let's build not games, but uh, tools to help gamers, uh, just because it's like it would be an easier thing to, or tools to, not to help gamers, but help game like indie game developers with some kind of aspect of of game development uh, and prototype something in a weekend. And the uh, the Cards Against Humanity offices uh, hosted us, which is cool. They have the coolest space ever, ever, ever in Chicago. It's a lovely office, and the don't they have their own Killer Queen? I don't know what that is. Oh, Killer Queen is a 5v5 yes, um, they have that. arcade yes, cabinet. They have that. Yeah, it's yeah. great. We did not fire it up, but I, I touched it. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> no. Yes. You can't play it any other way, I guess. It's like you need 10 people to even do it. Uh, yeah. Not? I don't know. You, you do. It's, it's ridiculous. It, it was made by uh, some people based in New York, and the game has a fierce rivalry between Chicago and... Uh, New York, there's a, I think there's a, there's a place in Chicago called Logan Arcade that has a uh-huh. uh, Killer Queen cabinet and they practice their uh, stuff and came to New York and can I, can I curse? Uh, we'll bleep it out. But Some kids watch. The <laughs> they kicked everyone's butts. Um, it was really cool. I got to go to uh, an event at Logan Arcade that another friend of mine made a vector based game at. And the stuff that people are doing with games that is it's a, it's ridiculous. Like people taking old concepts and reinventing it into a new way. There's actually an event in Austin tonight later that I'm going to for a friend of mine from New York's uh, game that's on Kickstarter right now. It's called Super Russian Roulette, and uh, it's an NES game. It's another game built for the NES. Um, the guy that made it, Andrew Rotano, he did the hardware for my boyfriend's NES game. And there's a release party tonight somewhere in Austin for it that I'm going to be going to. It uses the light gun. It's it's. It's really inspiring to see like fun stuff that people are doing. Indeed, the the the, the team I was on uh, at this at this event, the, the thing that we decided to build was kind of a you know it's not like it became a real product or anything, but the idea was prototyping you know for the sake of prototyping in a sense. But it was the idea was to solve the 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 what our hypothesis was the disconnect between play testers and people that want to play test and and want in on new games and with indie game developers who apparently find it slightly difficult to find play testers find good play testers find play testers of a specific um, style you know like maybe ones that don't identify as gamers or that don't you know like particular games or don't like other particular games and stuff what do you think about this world of play have any of you built a game in which that the play testing phase phase was particularly valuable or um yeah i <laughs> definitely as the crows flies i had all my friends kind of play testing it and i like they found a ton of bugs that i didn't know about and um my other game cup of tea i didn't play test which was a huge mistake because um, I forgot to account for the fact that as someone who is building it, the controls and everything are super easy for me because I keep doing it over and over and over again. And then giving it to anyone else, they get like really confused and don't understand what's happening. Um, so playtesting is super important. Um, and yeah, I just keep using friends as playtesters, which probably doesn't give me the best sample size of like what's going on there, but... You know, do, do they play. ever get bored? Are they like, oh, Lindsay's going to ask me to play her game again? Oh god, oh god, oh god! <laughs> or is it like, <laughs> or, or are they like, no? Are they generally like they're they're happy to to help you out with it? Yeah, surprisingly, they haven't gotten annoyed with me yet. Um, 
they seem to enjoy it, and uh, some of them, like, love finding bugs. I don't know, like, the ability to kind of go into someone else's code and to be like, how can I break this is enjoyable for some people. Uh, I have a theory on this. Keep going. <laughs> I think this is what internet trolls were born for, is QA. But, okay, let's let's continue. But, I mean, I even do that in other games. Like, um, like I know Rachel mentioned The Sims earlier, and that's kind of the same way back when I was young, like, adding all, like, the little custom things and, like, hacking that game. But, like, even now, I still play that game, and I love finding ways to break the engine. Because when you break a, like, real-life simulation engine, the things that happen are spectacularly just, like, surreal and weird and amazing cool i was i was hoping to have mostly i was like i'm glad i'm glad our little idea has been was validated you know not that we really made it into a thing but game testing really is hard we did find that so many people do straight up rely on their friends to do it and we thought, you know, along the idea of Trolls, Dave, we're like, well, the idea is that they'll be like the the game makers rate the game testers. So if they did a really good job, they can like award them badges and stuff so that like good game testers are, are rewarded for that. So that, you know, you know, disrewarded for being a troll, but rewarded for being a, a valuable tester. And the only way that they can get this rating is from the people who they gave good feedback to. Kind of like uh, what a bug hunt or what are those bug bounty bug bounty yeah we use one of those at, yeah. at, at code pen actually bug herd no that's the one where you track bugs which is cool too but it's yeah it's a bug bounty thing i uh do we have time i guess that we're kind of running out of time i uh i'm curious how you kind of share or share your progress of your games do you kind of release betas and and or do you kind of just save it up for the big big show day I just keep on tweeting about it and hope that people will remember, like remember that I tweeted about doing something in progress and keep on bothering me until I finish it. That's so you, you tweet for accountability. Yeah. Tweeting is like, I'm so bad at actually using any kind of like, uh, I mean, I, I, we do agile at work and I would never put that on myself in my free time. So I'm not good at setting, um, timelines unless I have something looming over my head. So the only reason I got RoboKitty done is because I submitted it as a talk that got accepted and I was like, damn, now I got to build this thing. <laughs> so <laughs> the, you, like hard deadlines work best, but here I am with a notebook full of games in progress and none released yet. I just tweet gifts all the time. And then I feel like obligated to come up with a finished product or at least show progress on those gifts that I post on Twitter because Twitter is super awesome for getting people to bug you about things. Um, so it's the the social burden is you you can't bear it, so you have to finish. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the the one thing I worked on, I you could look at like my GitHub history, and I worked on it every single day for like three months, which probably isn't healthy, and I don't recommend. But I was just so driven to, like, I want to finish this that I just, you know, busted my butt every single day. It was, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. But, I mean, having the motivation to finish something is uh, important. And having other people be able to see that you're working on something really helps uh, kind of get you into that drive. Cool. Um, just like a final little round table, a little lightning question. If somebody's like on the fence, like they want to make a game, they listen to this whole show. They're like, ah, I could probably make a game or I'm interested. What, what's like, what's the one, one piece of advice, the, the tweet length advice you want to give them? We'll start with Rachel. Like want to make a game. What do I need? I, I would say, look at past Ludum Dares and what people made and then sign up for the next one. Okay. The, the for do the the pizza in the the <laughs> you were in your bathroom but i imagine you in a bathroom or something <laughs> pizza large pizza in a bathroom for a weekend and lizzie what what would you say to somebody um i have like a little dorky motivational speaker thing but basically uh when you're struggling it's gonna get easier and just keep trying and hacking away at things until you start making forward progress because like even though i've been doing this for a bit i still mess up and yeah, sometimes screw ups are amazing. So you just got to go for it and get messy. Yeah. All right. Well, great. Well, um, I think 
Chris, this is about all the time we have for today. So um, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, Rachel, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, if uh, people aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that? Uh, and then what's one thing you'd like to plug before you go? We'll start with Rachel. Um, <clears throat> I am Oho on Twitter. It's O-H-H-O-E. And you can find uh, my website at Rachel is Awesome. It's a .me and a portfolio of stuff that I've made, including some Twitter bots and my robot at imcool.online. And uh, I mostly update stuff on Twitter. So I would say go check out RoboKitty and then yell at me to finish more things. Great. Lindsay? Um, so I am at Lindsay Beta, which I'm not even going to bother spelling on Twitter. Um, but you can see a lot of my personal projects and uh, how to build an LED hula hoop if you want to do one yourself um, at uh, rarlindsaysmash.com, which is my personal website filled with all my projects and stuff that I write on. That's uh, five shop talk show points for an epic domain to each of you. Uh, so, all right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm actually very encouraged to keep working on my game. So appreciate that. Uh, Chris, uh, what, we should wrap it up here, huh? If you, uh, enjoyed this show in your podcatcher of choice, please star heart, favorite it up, leave a review. It's that easy. You just say, say nice things in the little text box. Just do it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And then, uh, follow us on Twitter for tens of tweets at shop talk show. And, uh, if you hate your job, head over to shoptalkshow.com slash jobs, uh, to get a brand new one because people want to hire you. And Chris, we have a little special one this time. There's a job there. Uh, Microsoft wants to hire you and wants you as a front-end developer. And there's a little bit of a chance that you might work with old Davitron 5000. Uh, so uh, we, we could be uh, work working with our project Dave. together. It sounds like you 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 email uh, Mr. Chris Bolt at Microsoft and the, and the details are in the job posting that we'll, that we'll put there. So yeah, it looks like a, a full stack thing. You know, UI, UX, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, you know, working on a team, doing responsive design, browser testing, multi-device testing, little RWD. Looks fun. Work so, with Dave, maybe. Yep. Quite possibly. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, you go do that. Get your old application fingers going. And uh, <laughs> I think that's it. Uh, there's also lots of other jobs if you want to get a new job. So, uh, Chris, you got anything else for us? We should probably wrap Sure. Uh, just that. Mm, Shoptalkshow.com.